On this edition of the Deseret News Union Insiders podcast, we talk about the NFL draft, talk a little hoops, gymnastics, baseball, softball, and Britton Covey joins us. That and more on the Union Insiders podcast. Brian Holman, head coach, University of Utah men's lacrosse program, and you're listening to the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast. Welcome to the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast. I'm Dirk Facer here in our Swank Salt studios with Trent Wood and special guest Brandon Judd. Guys, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Though I didn't know that this was Swank so much as rustic. It's pretty nice, isn't it? Nice to join you here. Brandon is our uh, draft expert from the DeseretNews.com, so we brought him along. Uh, he's a BYU guy, but I hope you Ute fans will forgive him for that. Uh, guys, let's jump right into the NFL draft. The Utes, uh, I think one way to measure, obviously, they sent six guys to the Combine, but they have seven guys listed on the prospect list on NFL.com, and that's usually a pretty good sign of guys that could be drafted and that. Um, Brandon, let's just right out of the chute. Do you, do you see six or seven Utah guys getting drafted? No. I think ideally you're probably looking at about three to four guys that get drafted. Um, and I mean, it was what a super small senior class this last year, about what, 10 guys, 10 seniors. So it's not a big surprise that, uh, I mean, in the past few years, we've seen Utah. Uh, what two years ago they had the eight guys drafted last year they had Kylie Fitz I, I think this this year is going to fit in a little bit more with like 2018 2016 but you might see a couple extra guys go um, Marquise Blair is obviously the big name for Utah this year the safety he'll probably be the first one off the board beyond him it's kind of a bit more of a question mark uh, you got the two specialists in Mitch Wisnowski and Matt Gay and Utah's never had a specialist ever taken in the draft, but they're both listed as the top guy at kicker and punter this year. I think both by CBS Sports and The Athletic right. at, you know, their, they at their were, positions. They were the first program ever to have a Ray Guy Award and Lou Groza Award winner on the roster at the same time. So yeah. it's kind of a unique situation. But uh, Trent, do you think uh, the specialists will get drafted? They don't. Not a lot of specialists get drafted anymore. I mean, that's so hard to predict because there's some years where teams make inexplicable draft picks like the Bucks picking Florida right. State's kicker super early and then sometimes no specialist gets taken at all. I mean, Mitch Wisnowski, just seeing him in person, the man is a terrifying human for a punter. Like He's <laughs> huge and should probably be a linebacker rather than a punter. So I feel like there's an NFL team out there that'll just fall in love with Mitch as opposed to the punter Mitch and they'll pick him. I don't know about Matt Gay. He's also not an unimpressive human either, but I assume one of them will get picked. That's my guess. Well, you know, it was interesting. A few years ago, Louis Sakota obviously was an All-American kicker and didn't get drafted and you know, he did punting duties as well so it's hard to tell and he didn't really get much of a shot at the NFL either you know as an undrafted free agent but I was kind of looking at uh, the NFL website and, and some projections that they had and they have uh, Marquise Blair going in the third or fourth round kind of like you said Brandon and they said uh, Cody Barton interesting they think he could go in the fourth or fifth round um, and then Mitch Wisnowski fifth round uh, Chase Hansen sixth round Matt Gay seventh or free agent Agent. And then they have um, J- uh, Jackson Barton and Corian Ballard as undrafted free agents that would likely get signed. Uh, you know, it's really, Brandon, it's going to come down to whether the specialists get picked, or isn't it? That's how many Utes will go. Yeah. 
really going to come down to that. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Wichnowski go. I, I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, I, I was looking at several different national seven-round mock drafts, and one of them had Wichnowski going as high as the fifth round. And he was in I, – I looked at seven different ones, and Wichnowski was in, I think, four of those. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if Wichnowski goes, gay, that's a little bit different situation. Um, I think it was Dame Brugler from The Athletic had mentioned – one thing that Matt's going to have to learn a little bit different and something he'll have to tweak in the NFL is the way his three-step approach into it is something he'll have to change a little bit. But that was the one thing that had the one knock on him that I saw. Right. So I, I kind of think he's headed towards the the uh, free agent route at the end of it. But it wouldn't surprise me to see Wisnowski uh, come off the board yeah, this year. Like Trent said, physically, he's just a good specimen to have and be a great, uh, you know, if a guy got loose on a punt return and you got Mitch Wisnowski coming after you, he's going to get you. Yeah. i get you. Um, any other thoughts on the NFL draft, guys? Other players to kind of look at is uh, there's Cody Barton and Chase Hansen. That, uh, to me, is going to be really interesting to see which one of those two goes first. And if one of them gets drafted, it was Gil Brandt from NFL.com that put uh, Cody at number 72, I think, on his list of the top 150. Yeah, um, didn't he have him ranked the highest of every U? Yeah, he had him about 20 spots ahead of Blair. Well, So a um, little bit of a surprise, I think, because most pretty, buddy, pretty much everybody else had Cody or had Blair as the top guy from Utah. And I think conversely, um, who was it? Dame Brugler from the Atlantic had put Cody Barton around two. 90. Yeah. So there's just kind of this big gap between where he is in one versus where he is in another. Well, and, you know, the NFL draft's a lot different than the NBA draft. It's not necessarily drafting the best athlete that's available at the time. It's specific needs, specific positions and that. And I think that's what probably might move Blair up just because there's teams you know, in dire need of safeties rather than linebackers. But Cody Barton, self-made guy, he's really, uh, the fact that he's even in the draft conversation is a huge achievement for that kid because he came from Brighton High and kind of had to make his name. Jackson, his older brother, or you know, bigger kid and physically more, you know, you think suited for the NFL. But Cody really came on, led the Utes in tackles last year. Uh, Chase Hansen's situation is kind of a, a bummer because he hasn't been able to work out for teams and that, and he's trying to get healthy. And the well, last time I talked to him, he thinks he'd be healthy by NFL camp time. But I think he's a, a really good pick for you know mid-round guy because if he's healthy, that guy can play. Yeah, it was um, Tony Pauline. He runs draft analysis. I mean, I've used a lot of his information over the past several years. He, in his anal- his overall analysis of Chase Hansen, said he believes he could be a starter in the NFL. That once he be it, and we've always known Chase to really have like this smart football mind. He said once he learns kind of the way the NFL runs, he really thinks of him as a starter. And I think, yeah, like you were saying, Dirk, if if there wasn't all these injuries that Chase has been dealing with, if he would have been able to work out, I think we'd probably have him more as a lock to be able to be drafted but at this point you you take that and you take the fact that he's 25 years old which I mean that's ancient in NFL draft years I, I think that's really what costs him to he's either going to probably be a sixth or seventh round pick or he's going to go to somebody in free agency but he could he to me might actually be the diamond that kind of comes out of this entire class for Utah okay, Trent you saw him play a lot this year what do you think of Chase Hansen? Yeah I mean I think like Brandon talked about the only reason that he's not being talked about more is because he was hurt and he can't work out I think his production on the field every year that he was healthy at Utah suggests that he can play in the NFL 
It's just a question of can he get healthy and can he stay healthy. I think that's the only question with him. Right, and you know, on the fact that he was a safety and a linebacker, he's a very versatile guy, a very good and athlete. a quarterback. He yeah, knows I mean, he knows football. He does, and uh, wishing the best for him on that. Um, the other guys, so we talked about the specialist, Jackson Barton. Uh, he's got the size. Uh, Brandon, what are you hearing on Jackson Barton? Because physically, he looks like an NFL uh, offensive lineman. Physically, he's got he's got the capabilities. I think mostly what I've seen is it's just the technique with Jackson, and I think that's going to cost him. He'll probably be a priority free agent, but pretty much everything I've seen on him is he'll go the priority free agent route. Um, maybe somebody takes some team falls in love with him, they take him late sixth, early seventh, but I, I think that's kind of the route he heads. And the other guy, Corian Ballard, um, obviously played back at safety with Blair. Do you see him? Looks like he's going to be an undrafted free agent and get an invitation to go to an NFL camp. Do you see him getting drafted, or do you think that's the route he's going to take? Probably the probably the free agent route for him. There's not really been a whole lot of buzz on Corian, but um, I just remember him being a solid player for Utah. And you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if he is able to make something out of it too through the free agency route. All right. And before we uh, move on, is there any other players in the state, uh, maybe from some of those other schools we don't like to talk about too much, that uh, are going to get their names called? When you look at uh, probably the biggest name of anybody else out there is Dax Raymond. Um, I think you're going to see Dax Raymond obviously is the uh, tight end up at Utah State, uh, prepped at Timfew High. It's probably going to be between Dax and Marquise to, for who's going to be the first local taken in the draft this year. Um, wouldn't surprise me if it's Blair. It wouldn't surprise me if it's Raymond. Raymond is kind of being predicted is anywhere from a fourth to a seventh round pick. So it's a pretty wide pretty wide gap there but um, there's there's been some early fourth round for Dax uh, Sione Takitaki out of BYU might be a fourth rounder might be a seventh rounder he's predicted he's almost the enigma, enigma of this draft because nobody can really seem to figure out where to put him in this draft and one there's a handful of other like local high school kids uh, one that's kind of interesting is Luther Ellis's son Caden Ellis uh, was up at Idaho and he's coming out he's gotten he's had several NFL teams look at him and the report I think it was from the spokesman review was at Idaho's pro day he took the individual blocking sled and just like flipped it over twice (laughs) and so that's just oh yeah yeah so that's gotten him some attention some looks um and he's popped up in a few of the seven round mock drafts too so you might see another U of U connection that way again you know Doug Robinson uh, just a story on DesertNews.com on uh, Dax Raymond it's an interesting story and like I said I wouldn't be surprised if he is the first local guy taken because uh, he brings a lot to the table and uh, that's a position like I said if a team needs that needs a tight end it's oh, a good yeah. one to go to yeah, uh, I think there was two different mock drafts that had him going to the Dallas Cowboys in the fourth round, which would be interesting just because last year uh, Dalton Schultz, the Bingham High kid, ended up going to Dallas. So you might, if that happens, you got a couple local kids uh, playing in the NFL together. Well, as a Seahawks fan, I'm not too happy with the Cowboys right now, but uh, that'll work. Okay, let's jump over to basketball now, guys. Uh, the Utes got a late commit this week, uh, this past week. Brendan Wenzel, a shooting guard from San Antonio, comes the sixth newcomer for the team next year. Trent, do you, you get a chance to see the Utes play this year in that? Uh, 
little bit of a turnover there, but six new guys. But they had that solid three freshmen last year that they're building upon. So looks like they got a nice foundation. Yeah, and to add a, I mean, he's been described as a sharpshooter. To add him to the team, I think, is really helpful because they do lose Parker Van Dyke and Cedric Bearfield, who were their best outside shooters this year. Whereas Timmy Allen and Booth Gack weren't great outside shooters so to get another outside shooter I think is important for Utah so it's a big big addition for him. You know there's a lot of news coming out of Utah and we're still waiting to get a lot of things verified but it looks like Donnie Daniels is coming down from Gonzaga uh, the director of basketball operations for the Utes uh, after they lost uh, assistant coach DeMarlo Slocum to uh, UNLV. Uh, that brings a nice uh, touch a little veteran touch to, to advise uh, the coaches not that they need it but uh, to get a guy with a resume like Donnie Daniels and Gonzaga and the final forge he's been to in that. Uh, it's got to be a good thing, isn't it? For sure. Do we know what his position is yet or no? Uh, probably director of basketball ops, but uh, nothing's been announced Nothing official yet? yet. Okay. You know how that goes. So. Yeah. It'll be official as soon as we send the podcast out. But yeah, that's how it works. As of right now, it looks like he's coming, and uh, it doesn't look like he's going to be on the bench. He's be more of a kind of an advisor type role, but okay. uh, they haven't defined anything yet, and I think they're still waiting to dot the I's and cross the T's and get it all official. Still, that has to be exciting for Ute fans because he comes from that golden era of Utah basketball. Yeah, and Larry Kostowiak talks about the, the Rick Majerus era and to have a, a connection to that other than Tommy Connors is going to be great and I know that they all appreciate Donnie Daniels and it'll be interesting to see what that does for recruiting and a bunch of things because he's well connected obviously in future years. Um, Donnie Tillman and uh, Jace Johnson, two guys around the team last year have uh, declared for the early, in, become early entry candidates which is so confusing these days <laughs> but basically people are just dipping their toes in the water. Um, Brendan, have you had a chance to follow that a little bit? You know, I know there's some other guys in the state that are doing it. Some have hired agents that are leaving for sure. But uh, I'm guessing Donnie, I talked to people at the U today and Donnie Tillman, you know, I think he's just getting evaluated and see where he stands because there's, what, 223, something like that, guys that applied for this early entry. There's 60 draft picks. So one of four will get picked. And that doesn't even include this year's seniors. So you add that and it's like a pool of 400 people. Do you like this setup where they can test the waters? Because I don't really like it, to be honest. I think the NCAA needs to draw a line and not let the NBA in until they have to. You know, when they originally started it, I was, a, I think, a bigger fan of it. But it is kind of strange because it's like, hey, if you want to do it after your freshman year, you can do it. You want right. to do it after your sophomore year, sure. You know, and at some point you can just kind of, if you just finally decide, oh, I'm going to hire an agent. I mean, like BYU's Jolie Child, he did it last year. Now he's going to do it again this year and we're expecting him to hire an agent hire an agent and be gone, you know, fine, whatever, he got the chance to do it. But it's kind of odd that you can do that and then come back to school. I, I originally liked the idea that you can get this feedback and uh, figure out, you know, what NBA scouts, NBA personnel want you to work on, and then you can go back to school and do it. I think that's right. beneficial. But not having some sort of cap on how many times you could do it is kind of interesting. I don't know, it, it kind of, like you said, there's going to be this pool of, say, close to 400 guys, I mean, at the same time, you might get lost in the shuffle of those 400 guys, too. Yeah, and, and Jen, I think it kind of opens the door.
door for corruption because you're, you're kind of letting the snake in the door a couple times. Yeah, but I'm, I'm going to disagree with you guys because I don't think it's any different than players getting draft evaluations for the NFL. I don't think it's any different than any other sport getting any type of evaluation for professional sports. I think we make too big of a deal out of players declaring for the draft when it's not actually a real declaration until they hire an agent. And so I think it's just guys trying to figure out where they need to get better on. And I think where it does have an impact is with the transfer portal and transferring. Because if you get feedback back from the NBA telling you that you need to improve in a certain area and you don't feel like you can on your team, then that would lead people to leave. So maybe that could be a negative byproduct, but I don't think it's really a detriment to let these kids talk to the NBA and see what they need to work on or not. I mean, they're going to come back if they're going to come back or they're not. Well, you know, one of the main differences, obviously, in the NFL, you file paperwork and you get feedback from a committee. The NBA, you fly to San Antonio, you fly to Cleveland. Yeah, which is different. for them. And, you know, it's a little different, but I see what you're saying. Um, You kind of brought us into our next thing about Jace Johnson because he obviously entered the NCAA transfer portal, reportedly wants to be more involved in an offense. Um, The Omaha World Herald reported today he's going to make an official visit to Nebraska this weekend. I kind of, that's kind of the byproduct, you know, because I'm sure he's a seven-footer and he needs to improve his offensive skills, but I think he's making a mistake leaving Utah, but uh, it almost sounds like they're going to cut bait and move on without him. Yeah, I mean, and it's every kid's dream to make it to the NBA, right? That's why they're, that's why they're playing basketball. That's why they're playing in college. And so, obviously, he, if he leaves, he thinks that leaving gives him a better shot at that. It's interesting. I tell you, it's a, I want to play now or I'm leaving, taking my ball and going home. And that's, it'd be interesting to see what the long-term impact on college sports is because, you know, there was a time, you know, when free agency was really big in sports. It still is, obviously, but the times when players were signing all over the place. Now you're going to have college kids transferring all over the place and uh, better buy a program, huh? Maybe we should get out of the business and start selling programs. <laughs> work. Um, let's jump to gymnastics now, Trent. Uh, big change, Megan Marsden, uh, retirement. Tell us what's going on up on the hill. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a long time coming, she said. She, uh, she admitted to me that originally her goal and her wish was to retire with Greg. She thought that would have been nice, but they decided as a couple that it was better to keep the Marsden name with the program for a couple more years. Plus, she's 12 years younger than him, so she wasn't ready to retire yet. Right. But heading into this year, she just kind of felt that it was time, and she didn't tell the team. She only told Tom Farden and a couple staffers and Mark Harlan. She didn't tell anybody else. She said that was super hard, too, not telling people, because Megan likes to talk, and she's very honest with people, so having to keep that from people was hard for her. But it was just time, and, I mean, they all have super, uh, all the confidence in the world in Tom Farden as a gymnastics coach and being in charge of that program, so she just felt it was time to, to go home. And with Michaela Skinner and that, what's the future of the gymnastics program? Are they going to be rebuilding? Or? Well, Michaela Skinner's not 100% guaranteed not to come back, but if I had to guess, I'd put 99% chance that she's going to try for the Tokyo Olympics. As far as the future, I mean, Tom Farden said after their after their loss in Fort Worth that it's going to be a rebuilding year next year. They lose five players, Michaela leaves, from this year's team. They only have 13 on the team, and four of them were significant tri- contributing gymnasts who performed a lot. And so they bring in a new recruiting class of four girls who are supposed to be really good. One of them has been a national champion in the Junior Olympic ranks, which Utah has never had before. They've never had a girl be a national champ, which is a big deal. And they've all talked about how the recruits coming in this year and next year are really good. But they did all kind of admit that this next year is going to be a little bit different. Maybe not what people are used to with Utah gymnastics, just because they'll only have two seniors if Michaela goes, and it'll be kind of a rebuilding year. What happened to nationals this year? Why the disappointing finish? That's a good question. Um, It's the same thing that's happened a lot, and I talked to Tom Farden about it after the meet, and it's all about being able to perform under pressure in those big-time situations. They have proven year in, year out that 
that they can do as good as the rest of the programs in the country, but they can't do it on the national stage. And they don't know why. And they try lots of different training techniques and they try different things with these gymnasts and they bring in new coaches and send coaches away. And they're still trying to figure it out. But for some reason, the gymnasts at Utah have not been able to be at their best at the most important time of the year. Well, and that's, uh, that's, that's what matters. And that's what matters. It's a bottom line business, as yeah. they say in sports. But uh, moving on. Hey, let's, uh, let's talk baseball and softball real quick. Not a real banner year for the Utes uh, on the it's diamond not. this year. Uh, baseball team uh, currently 12 and 21 overall, 4 and 14, 10th place in the Pac 12. Um, could be worse. Yeah, it could be worse. You know, and if you look at the standings, you know, it, it's easy to say they're in 10th and they're horrible and all this, but you look at the Pac 12 standings Stanford's 13 and 2, Oregon State 14 and 4, UCLA 11 and 4, ASU 12 and 6. Those are four legitimate national title contenders. That's a Pac 12 baseball is tough, and I think we got spoiled uh, around here thinking that uh, they could win yeah. when they did because that was that may be one of the greatest achievements of you know the Utah sports history obviously in the Pac-12. Well, but, they're still uh, the only men's program to win a Pac-12 championship, right? Uh, well, if you count the other the than fo- yeah skiing and football, yeah. obviously, but skiing you just got to beat Colorado, so that's it's, it's a little different. It's good. And then softball, they're 15 and 29, four and 11, their seventh place. Same thing, uh, Trent. They're kind of a top-heavy league. Arizona's 15 and 0. Uh, UCLA's 14 and 1. Washington's 14 and 4. So there's some really good teams in Pac-12 softball too. I mean, yeah, it just it feels like not this is not Utah's year in either sport. And then uh, lacrosse, the inaugural season winding down. Uh, I guess it's you can put it in the books. It's an official sport, obviously. And uh, much it, to your chagrin. Well, you know, as long as uh, I don't have to play, I'm athletic <laughs> enough to play. So we wish them well in their finale uh, this weekend. It's time for Utah by Five segment. I had a chance to catch up with Utah wide receiver Britton Covey. He recently received the Ute Proud Award from the Student Athlete Association. He's honored for representing both the team and school and maintaining high moral values. He's a great young man. I had a chance to talk to him about that 4-0 student, and uh, we'll play that for you now. I'm Tom Barberi, and it's time for Utah by Five, where we catch up with the people who built the program we love. All right, we're joined on our Utah by Five podcast this week by Utah wide receiver Britton Kevy. Britton, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Um, you just recently won the Ute Proud Award. Tell me what that means to be recognized for your uh, commitment to the University of Utah. Uh, I mean, it's awesome uh, to receive a Ute Proud Award. I, I feel grateful. I, I think it comes down to, similar to a saying that we have at the football program here, where it's, we will never become you, you will become us. You know, when people come out of high school or wherever you come, come from you tend to want to mold your environment to you and and the standard here at Utah is you need to become us you need to mold yourself to fit the environment because this is a great program and organization and so that's what I think it comes down to is I've just learned to embrace everything here and love it and not just football but academics you know the social life everything the fans and that's big part of it I think how did a tip view high school guy end up being so red (laughs) Mm, good question I mean I get asked that by everyone on the street every day about so there's no real short answer for this I mean it's it's a long conversation but in the end it's I just loved everything that this school offered I mean I got offered a scholarship by both BYU and Utah and 
Utah State and other schools, but the combination of different things that were important to me was highest at Utah, and I kind of had a bias against Utah growing up, but as you get older, it starts the cloud of bias starts to leave, and I loved Coach Whittingham, but more than anything, I loved the program because I knew it was susceptible to change in terms of coaching at any point, but the program was going to stay at least the same or at least very similar. You take a lot of pride in things other than football. I noticed on the wall here that you had a 4.0 GPA last semester. You take your academic series. Why, why are some other things other than football so important to you? I mean, I think I've been taught very well by my parents to you know, keep the main things the main thing. And uh, I, I just... Coach Scali always says that the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And so it's the classic coaching cliche lines where it's you don't cut corners. If you stop five inches behind the line, then, you know, it's not good. And basically it's that principle. The way you do one thing is the way you're going to do everything in your life. And so you can't just compartmentalize your life and try and be good in certain areas and then just slack off in other areas. You need to really try your best in all areas. And I would just say the other thing I've learned is to, if I'm in a classroom, then I'm in a classroom mentally. If I'm in a classroom physically, then I'm in a classroom mentally. If I'm at the football facility physically, then I'm at the football facility mentally. So wherever I am physically, I just try to be there mentally 100%. And then uh, isn't it hard? As, uh, you came in as a freshman, that, but you've kind of been a leader of this team ever since you got here. Was that hard when you were younger, and it was a hard when you came back from your mission? Is that hard because you're still an underclassman? Hmm. Um, leadership seems to follow you. Are you aware of that? Because your teammates speak highly of you, and your coaches speak very highly of you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, leadership is is something that I have been around my whole life. I, I really appreciate the example of my family. Uh, obviously, people know about my grandpa. And I I just have, you know, leadership is not a position. It's a choice. And I don't go out just trying to be a leader in terms of for recognition or anything like that. I just want to contribute and help people. And uh, I say the biggest principle of leadership that I learned is from my grandpa in one of his books called Spiritual Roots of Human Relations. And it's a triangle. It's the triangle of leadership. And the the foundation of it is relationship. And the middle of it is example. And the top of it is verbal teaching. And it basically, the principle behind it is verbal teaching is such a small part of leadership of the triangle it's the smallest portion and before you can verbally teach someone or influence someone you have to have the example you have to set the example they have to know that your words reflect your actions too and your actions reflect your words and before you can have an influence because of your example you have to have a relationship with somebody and that's what i do with my teammates Cool. Thanks, Britton. I appreciate you joining us. All right, we're back. Thanks, Britton, for joining us. Guys, anything else to add today? Nope. Other than, uh, hey, NFL draft. It's uh, NFL Christmas for the next couple of days, so enjoy that. Are you going to be uh, parked in front of the TV watching? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I'm going to do that and do Avengers Endgame when I'm not in front of the TV. Well, there you go. Trent, what's your weekend look like? Not like that at all. No, but, but I don't even know. Uh, he, you know. I don't want to stare at a TV that long. <laughs> Well, you know, when you get older, it's kind of fun. That's what I do for fun. So uh, just a reminder, folks, you can get the uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Go to DeseretNews.com. We're going to shut her down maybe for a couple weeks here and rejoin you in the summer. So we appreciate this first season of the Insiders podcast. I want to thank Kent Condon and Richie Sedman for all their work putting it out together. And we'll see you later this summer.